Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Lucia, Gabriela, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me in your show. Look, every time we talk about anything that has to do with sex and sexuality, I get really excited because those conversations don't happen enough in our communities. So I think it's super, super important and getting different perspectives. But before we get into all of that chisme and how you got into it and all of that, we always start with the wine. So are you partaking in the wine today? I can go get it. <laughs> well, you, it's up to you. You're more than welcome to get it if you want. I don't force anybody to drink on here because it's a personal decision if people want to drink or not. If you would like to drink with me, fine, cool. If you don't, that's okay too. Awesome. I personally am drinking a 2018, okay, this is a French wine from Villanobles Le Chateau. It's a Pouilly Fumé. It's called that just because like old wines are usually named by the region. So this is actually a Sauvignon Blanc. It's an off dry white wine. It's a Sauvignon Blanc from the Pouilly Fumé region of France. Also, people might know like the Loire Valley. So like old European wines, the difference between like old school wine, what they would say and new school wine is here we would just call it a Sauvignon Blanc, right? From a particular region. Well, there, then the actual name of the wine is based on the region. Mm. I love like a wine too. That, that's one of my favorite. Yes. I haven't I tried this wine. yet. So, ooh, well, there you go. Cheers. Salud. Salud. <laughs> smells really grassy, almost like fresh cut grass and a little bit of citrusy. And then when I taste it, it's more citrusy. Well, I like it. I, I'm, I can dig this. I'm going to a comedy show later and I think this bottle might be done, but I'm having a friend come over later. So I think this bottle will be done when she gets here and before we go to the comedy show. <laughs> so we nice and ready for laughter. <laughs> we already sat in there. That's awesome. Yes. So, oh my gosh, you have such a huge thing of what you're doing. Let me list all of the things. You are the founder of the Nuna Holistic Retreat Center, the founder at Sacred Love Temple, co-founder at Sarasota Dark Temple. You are the creator of Tantra Kink, which I'm super interested in hearing about that. You are relationships and integrative sexuality coach, integrative somatic therapist and teacher, Tantra facilitator, and therapeutic kink practitioner and conscious kink BDSM coach. There is so much there. Oh my gosh. Now, like I was saying at the beginning, you know, we've had a few times where we've talked about sex, but where I think I am really the first time we were really talking about what intersexuality is and all of these different more of kind of like from a clinical side. And then the second time we were talking with sex with Anna and we answered some questions and talked, she's more like, you know, she's a sex counselor. And we were talking about why people come to her. So I feel like we went through from the clinical side to kind of the emotional side. And now I'm, let's get into like the action side. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, like, how did you even get into this that to begin with? What I am so interested in what makes people, because I think everybody thinks about sex, right? We all think about sex. We all, most of us are, have sex in our lives. But what makes you go from like 
that to, you know what, I'm going to start teaching people and not just teaching people, but about like sexuality and relationships, but you're going into like this BDSM kink area as well, which I'm super interested in. How do you go from one place and into <laughs> that? Thank you. I love that question. Yes, it has been such an amazing journey itself. So I am from Ecuador. I'm a Latina. And growing up back home, my parents, I can say that were very open-minded around sexuality, especially my dad. And the reason it was because one of the things that we see a lot in the Latin community is the, the cheating aspect of like men having multiple women. Mm. So my dad never denied it. He was not a kind of person that denied it. And he always talked about sex and like different aspects of it. And my family, even my dad's side of the family, like joking around, like we would make jokes around. Like I would say to my grandfather said, you know, grandpa, I'm going to speak 20 languages. And he's like, oh, my God, good, good. You know, like Latino grandparents, like, oh, my God, tu eres el orgullo de la familia. Yes, like the pride of the family, right? Yeah. And then to just knock him down, I would say, like, for every language, I would have a different husband. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, as a macho, a grandparent, so like, he was like, oh, my God, you're going to be the black wolf, you know, the family or the black lamb or something like that. Oh, the black sheep, the black sheep. Yeah, the black sheep of it. And I was like, okay, good, fine. And what happened is in my journey of healing cancer, at a very young age, I went and studied Gnosis. Like Gnosis is the, the science of knowledge. And it was all about studying the metaphysics, energy, and all into that also I started learning more about Tantra, Kama Sutra, and uh, all that because of spiritualism and about sexuality. So I got myself into it. And at the same time, I was uh, younger and I was really interested in sex. And I don't know, the community, uh, but in Argentina, they're very open about sexuality in like the way that women and men they talk and like even comedy shows, uh, or even like one of my favorite show back in Ecuador from Argentina was from the very famous comedian. Uh, I forgot his name, but I used to watch it all the time, and it was like. It has a lot of like eroticism and a lot of like sexual language in it itself, but it was to the public. It was like, it was so normal, mm -hmm. right? So I grew up with that. And then when I started studying the consciousness and the spiritualism of sexuality, it was a different world. I was really, really excited about that. So you said you had cancer when you were young? Yes, that's like another story for another show. But at a very young age, I heal cancer. And I knew that the cancer was created because of my emotion, my toxicity in myself. So mm -hmm. in that journey, I tap into spiritualism on a deeper level. Right. Because for me, it was like my second awakening. It's like at one point in my life for 10 years, I was a suicidal kid. I didn't want to live. And then when I developed cancer, I kind of knew it. Like I was toxic to myself. I didn't love myself. I developed. And thank God, it was like the doctor told my dad that he was a very lucky man because they were able to found the cancer because it wasn't presenting itself and with no symptoms or nothing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I have an appendix. Nobody would have known about it. And I would have been dead already. Like, you know, they would say that if the appendix didn't happen, I would have been dead less than three years from, oh, from wow. that. So with that, I kind of understood myself that love for life I came into to my life and it's like I started studying everything that I could to to get in tune with myself and my body. So and this is why I work with everything, even like that book of King BDSM is gonna right. come back to the embodiment of self. Yeah. So when you're growing up, I know you said like in Mexico, well, as far as I know in Mexico, I'm a I'm second gen here in Mexican, but even within the Mexican American culture here. I grew up. Sex, it's not talked about very openly, right? Growing up, my mom's, the conversation my mom would have with me, and she was more open than most of my friend's parents. The conversation she would have me with me would be like, don't let a boy touch your private parts. Don't let anybody do this to you. It would be more like that versus actual sex talk, right? And then my tia, my tia Maggie, 
all of the girls in the family got the same talk from my tia Maggie and it would be put a quarter between your legs and don't let it fall out. That was her sex advice to all of us. Basically, don't get pregnant. Keep your legs shut. Don't get pregnant. And that was kind of the extent of true. And I know that a lot of people I knew and that I grew up were very similar, right? That they didn't get those talks. And anybody that I know that's from Mexico, it was not like that either. So it's not a very open culture where we openly talk about. And I think it's as a culture as a whole, there, there's individually, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of, of parents that are more open to be able to have these conversations. But overall, culturally in our culture, it's not something that's spoken about and talked about very much. That machismo joking culture is for sure there where you're talking about sex in like that joking way. Mm-hmm. Nobody really talks about it. Yeah. And it's like one of the things that I say to myself is that I was blessed to say that I grew up with parents that my mom and dad would walk naked in Ecuador. And you don't see that in the Latino culture as much. So I was very blessed that I had those type of parents that when it came to sexuality, it was like, normalized like my brother walk naked my dad will walk naked and we were fine like at a very young age I knew what a penis was mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was not afraid of it I was not intimidated by it and I was like okay whatever <laughs> you know it was like it wasn't like something that it was hidden and secret you know like and well, the first and- time I saw one I was like what is that <laughs> <Those sparks. laughs> I know right and and I was very blessed. And I can say that uh, even the conversations like with my dad, it was like just, and one of the things about the Latino culture itself is, you know, is the aspect of machism where, you know, women would know the partners would were cheating on them mm-hmm. and they would just keep it quiet. Yeah. Like actually they, it was very interesting. Like even that toxic dynamic where it was very interesting to see my aunt and my grandmother kind of like, protecting my dad or my uncles and my cousins and or even myself as a cousin of my cousin you know when he had one of the girlfriends came in like and and we were at the house and the other girlfriend was there and then we had to kind of figure out how to get the other girl out without seeing because otherwise the big explosion that was kind of normal now it was normal to kind of like mask that kind of infidelity right like the whole aspect of you know, infidelity and like multiple partners without consent, right? Because you can have multiple partners with consent, (laughs) but the whole no consent, it wasn't there. So it was really interesting to see that and totally agree when it comes to the Latino community because of the, we're very Catholic oriented, like with our religion is like mostly Catholic throughout South America Spain and uh, even Mexico, like really Catholic oriented. So that has that religion, like mindset, like the, you know, whatever the church says, that's where it goes, right? So it will say that even if you look uh, at a man or woman, if you're single, like you're just sinful, right? Like it's had this whole religion toxicity that is, that doesn't want us to talk about sex and intimacy, when actually when we start looking at the sacred books and, you know, reading Gnostic books and and understanding sexuality and sacred sexuality, the Bible itself talks about sexuality. They just don't, it's not convenient for the Catholic Church, for the people to know that they are powerful beings and that sexuality is part of the power. It is very convenient for religion, doesn't matter just Catholicism, but all kind of religion, because there are talks about sex and it's very convenient for religions to put people in a position that they believe about themselves that they are not powerful and that their sexuality is not powerful, that it's sinful. Why? Because sex is power. Yeah. Sex is power. Even like if any person had read the book, Think Grow Rich, like Napoleon Hills, he mm-hmm. talks about how orgasm, sexuality and orgasm is a vehicle for an individual to manifest and attract and conquer what it is that they're looking for in their life. It's just not convenient for anyone out there that wants to control you to know that your sexuality. Basically, he's just like, if I remember, it's been a long time since I've read that book, but basically, he's saying, like, you masturbate and think of the things that you're wanting, right? That's what he's saying in that book. Right. It pretty much is that all about the orgasm. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how you achieve orgasm. It could be with a partner, through masturbation, self-pleasure, however it is. Even energetic orgasm that we talk in Tantra and energetic sex is that energy follows thought. So if you have a, an idea or you have something that you decide to achieve in your life, a partner. Now, I'm not talking about partner, specific partner, but the qualities of a partnership, Right or a house and a car and a career and all that. So when you put it into what we call the cupola right here, like the center, like what it is that you desire to achieve and manifest and through orgasm, because the energy is so intensified and so pure, so powerful, it will help you to achieve it because the energy going to go right into it. Like you are creating it. It's already created in your field. That's what we call sex magic anybody interested on it that looking at it that's what sex magic is about it's like how we use our sexuality on our sex uh, orgasm like energetic orgasm or physical orgasm to launch that rocker of desire as we call in like love attraction to launch that manifestation to launch and to create it now one of the things that i teach a lot when it comes to sex magic is like yes we can have this energy built up and have the thought and like shoot it right like shoot and have that (laughs) orgasm now what i invite people is to give themselves permission to surrender and receive the manifestation be open to receive the love be open to receive uh what it is that you desire in your life because what holds us back most of the time from achieving what it is that we desire is the struggle that we have to receive we're very good at doing doing giving 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 and we're really bad at surrendering and receive and that's why part of like enter kink and like conscious kink BDSM is one of the things that allows me to help people to understand like where they where they stopping themselves and they keeping themselves stuck to not receive because if you have a hard time surrendering surrendering to love surrendering to abundance surrendering to joy surrendering to bliss to even surrendering to your own orgasm and the pleasure that comes from that orgasm if you're having a hard time surrendering in one specific area of your life you may have a hard time surrendering in other areas of your life. Raise his hand. Me. That's me. I'm like a little bit too much of a control. When it comes to certain things, like when it comes to when I'm visiting places or whatever, I'm very go with the flow, right? Like if there's certain things I want to see, as long as I can see those things, I don't care what we do in between. Let's just have a good time. I'm very go with the flow when it comes to like just general going out type of stuff, right? But when it comes to other things, I'm very much a control freak, Right. Like when it comes to my podcast, to hire an editor was a really big thing for me because I'm a control freak, but I'm glad I did it because he does it way better than I do. And shout out to my editor, Juan Pablo. You can keep this part in, Juan Pablo. Um, (laughs) Because if I tell him to take it out, he'll take it out. But I just want to give him a shout out because he does such a great job every week on the podcast since I've hired him. So even letting go of that, it was hard. But once I did, it was like, like a relief to take that off of, you know, to take that off of my shoulders. But when it comes to other things, like I have noticed when it comes to sex, like I am very open, like I have no problem talking about sex. I think we should talk about sex. I have no problem having these conversations. And when I'm in the middle of it, like I can get wild. I'm cool with that. But also when it comes to like the orgasm part, I think that control part of me, it's very hard to like completely let go and lose control. And I want to learn how to do that. And I know I'm not the only one. I would guarantee you I'm not the only one who like wants to do that, wants to be able to let go. But how did that start? Like when you first started having sex, like most of us, we don't know what we're doing, right? We're all awkward and everything. What was your experience when you first started exploring your sexual being, like you having sex and and being a sexual being? Did you start exploring those things really early in life or was it later? Actually, it was interesting because because I study Gnosis and the science of knowledge and sacred sexuality and Tantra, Kama Sutra and all that, I knew the energetic, uh, metaphysical, spiritual part of it. So I was in Ecuador and then I moved to the U.S., like a year, two years after that. So I have like my high levels of training back there. So I have like such a nice conscious community that I was surrounded. So I was a virgin still. So when I came to the U.S., I was 19 years old. And I was like exploring, like just to see like how the environment was. But 
I didn't meet my ex-husband. He was the first, my first boyfriend, my first kid, my first everything. And I was around 21. So I was like around that age. So other people will be like, I'm old at that, level, that age, right? <laughs> so when I had my first sexual experience, I would stay with my ex-husband. I went with the experiment of like exploring what it means, but actually I knew that I wasn't going to achieve the part that I was craving for, that it was the spiritual part connection that I knew that it was possible. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it was possible. I just, at the same time, I kind of like lost myself because when you come, I came to the U.S., I spoke no English. I actually, when I was, my ex-husband used to love me because I was a very quiet, submissive, and I would say, yeah, whatever, right? Um, Until I started learning more and speaking more of the English, that's when like the struggle happened because I would speak up myself. So it wasn't like satisfying sexually, I would say my intimacy relationship with him. And even through the marriage, like years, even having my child, it was very interesting because there were part of me that I knew that I lost myself and I, I just couldn't understand why I, I didn't have that, what I wanted, like that spiritual intimacy, that connection. It was very physical. And I'm not into the physical part of it. I'm more into that like wholeness of sexuality, of like that taste and the energy, the connection, the passion, the growth, the evolution that comes with it. That's what I'm like so passionate about. The sexual, physical part of it is okay. It's like, yeah, it's fun, but it's not like something that sparked my fire. And it was interesting to be in that relationship because I'm a very sexy, sexual being. And believe it or not, my marriage, I only had sex like maybe four to six times a year. I used to count it. Wow. That's one of the things that is like, I always tell people that resentment is one of those energies that will kill the fire of any relationship. Because I used to be like counting, like when I was going to have sex with him, because I wanted to explore and experience more of it. And he would have depression and he would not feel good. And he would hang all these things and it would not happen. I can tell you that I didn't know how to give a blowjob until I was like maybe 25, 26. I have no idea what was a blowjob because even like with aspect of porno, I was like, I would not understand like what was it. So because I was a hairdresser and you know, hairdressers, they talk about sex all the time. So I have my gay friends, my lesbian friends, and I have like everybody talk about sex. And I told them one day, I said like, I even said, like, I've been healing this traumatizing experience that with my ex-husband, he would say to me, I tried to do it, right? Like, I, I tried to give a blowjob. And he kind of like said to me, like, stop, you horrible at this. You, you're the worst. Like, you just don't know how he to do it. He wouldn't even guide you. He, he even wouldn't guide even you guide me nothing. He, he was just, and I was like, hey, it's like, you're my first of everything. I don't know anything about this. I haven't, mm. like, nothing, like, when it comes to the physical sex, I was clueless. When it came to the spiritual sex, energetic sex, woo, here I am. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so many of us, I mean, when we first start doing stuff, we don't know what the hell we're doing, right? Like, why would we? If you yeah. don't have anybody to guide you and teach you, it's not like you're going to automatically know what to do. Yeah. And my friends, my friends, the hairdresser, they actually got me into this porn site and we ordered the videos, the DVDs at that point. And they got me watching the DVDs and I was taking notes. I was in my computer watching, taking notes. I had it. I was like going through. I love how you're not using porn for arousal, but for education. (laughs) But the thing is, is like, it has to be the right porn because really there's this whole thing right now where so many people are watching. I've been reading this article and I can't remember which article, but it's how so many men are watching porn that that they are finding it hard to get off in real life. And I'm like, really? Come on. Like the real thing is way better than just watching it. Well, imagine whatever the hell you want. I don't care. A tools are, can be used for greatness or destruction. So yeah. either pick it, you know, you got to choose. So I use the tool of porn as a way to educate myself. And I still watch porn even now because it's like a research process for me. It's like I, when I'm watching, I was like, ooh, what are they doing? And it was interesting that even now with Kink BDSM dynamic, I still even watch like Kink BDSM porn, which still have a script and like it's, it's just like a script, like it's nothing real, there's no connection. But it's still their element of learning and teaching to it for me. Um, now, when somebody have an aspect of porn, like people becoming addictive to porn. The problem with porn itself, 
is the people are not connected with their body. And that not even just porn faults. Like, you know, we cannot blame porn for that. It's an aspect that we as society, we have not taken the time to educate our children and educate ourselves to be fully present in our body. That's why I come back to embodiment. Mm-hmm. Be fully present with our breath, fully present with our thoughts, fully present with our emotion, fully present with all aspects of ourselves to get to know ourselves, our energy, our feelings, our emotion, to get to know like what is happening in this body. That's where arousal comes into place. Like, you know, how is the interaction of my body with the external world? Because that's what arousal is. Mm-hmm. It's like this whole interaction, like how does my body interacting and moving with what is in front of me, what is presented in front of me. Because ultimately our biggest sex organ is our brain, right? So if you're present there, it becomes a lot easier to be present physically. Yeah. One of the things a lot of the couples that I have that I work with, or even men that I work with, even women as well, is like they really are in the head a lot. We are in the head a lot when it comes to sex. And one of the things about Tantra, Kama Sutra, and the sacred sexuality is like getting back into our body. How can I get back into my body? How can I feel my toes while I'm having and making love to my partner? Not having sex, but making love to my partner because making love is different than just sexual copulation. You know, you can go bang somebody and fuck somebody very quickly, like for five minutes. It's fine. Like that could be fun. It's juicy. Sometimes like it's spark. But for even for that five minutes fuck, there's got to be a level of connection that had to happen before and after. Right. Because otherwise, the person who are part of it, the individual, like the person that who's receiving or receiving the, the fuck, it actually feeling like disappointed, resented, it feeling used and all this psychological stuff and triggers come to the surface. So and that's ultimately, because you're, you're exchanging energy, right? So if you're exactly. not connected, like kind of what you were saying from the beginning is if you're not connected and you're exchanging energy, you don't know what kind of energy you're receiving from that person if there's no connection. Yes. And that's what's so important for people to understand what is sex for them. That's mm-hmm. what I mentioned. Like just for, for me, sex, it's all about this energy, this fusion of energy, this, this flow, this dance of energy, this creation, evolution, the alchemy that happened with it. That's what it's for me. And people had to find individually what it is for them. You know, mm-hmm. in Tantra, we talk about the Kundalini energy and we talk about the masculine and the feminine energy. And we talk about sex, like, you know, it's like this fusion of energy. For me, it's like a bee is making love to the flower. That's sex right there. Gotcha. Us, as you know, like us interacting with the ocean is sex mm-hmm. right there. You want to have sex with nature? Go into nature and just be fully present and feel that exchange, feel the fusion. Now of she's saying soul. energetically, she's not suggesting you go into the forest and hump a tree. <laughs> you could too. <laughs> I mean, you look, eat. I'm not going to say anything. That's <laughs> my thing. But, but let me actually, let's, I don't fully know what tantric is, right? And I think we all have an idea of what tantric is. Can you explain what exactly tantric is so we have a better idea? Because I think so many of us have an idea of what it is, but not exactly sure. One of the things a lot of people are going to hear tantra is tantric sex. You know, I would call tantric sex or energetic sex or even pretty much the of multiple full body energetic orgasms when people talk about tantra and also people will hear tantra that is like best sex ever and is the best sex ever not because of the tools and the techniques and the quickies that you can experience from it like the quick uh techniques that that, you know, like how to stroke a clitoris or oh the g-spot and this like all the clinical aspect of it is not because of that the great sex happened because there's a level of alchemy and transformation for the two individuals that are getting uh, together. And it's a dance of transformational life. It's a dance and it's the exchange of energies. It's the is you grow and you evolve in together. It, it's like getting to know yourself a lot deeper for who you are and loving yourself. Like the path of Tantra, which I call it is a path of fire, of alchemy. It's a path of self-love. When you learn to love yourself, you when you learn to awaken within yourself, all those parts of you that are magnificent, 
they are conscious, like they are powerful. And also the path of recognizing your shadow and your darkness. And when you really learn to fully love yourself with all of it, with the light, with the darkness, with the shadow, and like be radical in it and learn to love this body that is your tool in this planet that is like, is what makes it available for you to experience and sense life. When you learn to feel your body, your cells, and when you learn to be in appreciation, gratitude, when you love to be alive and you can feel your energy expensive, anything you do is going to be orgasmic. Eating a strawberry, like eating the ice cream, Zipping you a glass of wine, like just touching yourself with flowers, like going into the ocean, like just going to the supermarket and like smile everyone. People are going to feel that energetic expansion. People are going to feel how alive you are. And when you are in this aliveness, who touching and like playing with a partner and like being seductive and being like playful and being like arousing, like and just being like, Ugh. You know, like you don't even need to fuck that person or get penetrated or anything. You're already having this orgasmic experience and this tantric energy that is just because for many of us, tantra is life. You know, many people are going to tell you what tantra is in a different concept. So that is my definition. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's cool. I, I think sex means different things to different people, right? Some people find it as just a release. Some people find it as just procreation, right? Some people find it as just a very pleasurable thing. I mean, and you can have good sex and bad sex and great sex. And, you know, there's so many different things, but I think it's really, like you said, kind of what it means to you. And if you have that energy, one thing I want to kind of talk about and kind of point to, and then I want to get into like the BDSM stuff because I'm just so curious. I think that it all starts with self-love, right? Because how can you have great sex? Because I've heard I've heard people and I've had friends say like, ah, sex is okay, it's not all that. Oh, so, and then I've had an ex who's like, sex is a gauge of the relationship. If we're not having sex, it does not. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like we're not having sex, so mm-hmm, bye. You know, it wasn't that easy, but pretty much. And then you have people that are just like, oh, sex is okay. When I hear somebody say like, oh, sex is okay. I'm like, you've not had great sex. Don't, I mean, what do you think? That's my personal opinion. Well, it all goes back to the connection. That's what I feel like when you come to just the physical sex, you know, like copulation, put it this way. If there is connection, oh my gosh, it's going to feel amazing. It doesn't even matter. It's like... If the partner has a small penis or you have like a bigger vagina or it doesn't matter anything. When people feeling connected and they feel in that passion between. And it has to be both of them, right? Because if only one person is connecting the other one, that can totally change the energy of what's happening. And you're not having great sex because it's not a mutual thing. Yeah. So that's why in Tantra, we kind of focus on the aspect of connection. Mm -hmm. connection and embodiment because even like self-pleasure put it this way if i'm not connected with my vagina right if i'm not connecting with my heart and i'm not connecting with my body and i've just stroking just to stroke it's gonna be okay comparing to like oh i'm connecting with my breath i'm connecting with my pleasure i'm connecting with my dream i'm connecting with my life i'm connecting with all of that part of myself i'm loving myself now that is a different experience the same thing with a partner if I'm just having copulation with my partner, which is okay, you know, sometimes we have it human realm. So we will have it. But it's a different when you have that amazing, you can have the same kind of like technique. And if the same technique, you use an aspect of consciousness and connection, it's going to blow your mind. Yeah, it's like one example I can give is for like men, for example, they want to learn how to stroke a woman's vagina, like the clitoris of it to give them like help them to, you know, to give them that pleasure of it or even just oral sex. You know, if they're fully present, holding the container, what we call it, if you're fully present with your partner, eye gazing, breathing together, connecting the heart giving words of affirmation to each other, like to the partner, like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. I'm so grateful for you. And while you're doing that, eye gazing, breathing, 
word of affirmation, feeling grounded. I'm here fully present. My mind is not traveling anywhere else. I'm here with you. And I can just stroke you little by little. And I just be very patient. And I'm here for you, with you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a totally different experience that I'm here. I'm just like, oh, I'm la la land. I have a three or four appointment and I have to go do (laughs) this, that. And I'm like, okay, did you come yet? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, my God. And why is she taking forever? Women taking so fucking forever. I can't believe it. Right? I'm like, I'm still thinking, oh, and do I have my baseball game? Did the jet one or the med one? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think, did you come yet? Oh, no, it's like, you know, it's like a totally different experience. Yeah, it could be the same techniques. Connection yeah. and present will be everything. I have a lot of thoughts, but I want to get into the other stuff, too. Right. Because you not only talk about the tantra, but you also are a kink and BDSM coach. Yes. And I have my own dungeon. <laughs> and you have your own. Oh, my gosh. I need to hear about all of this. OK, first of all, you're sharing your experience about like your ex-husband being your first everything. You've done all of this research. You've just kind of been an intellectual until you actually get married and then, or with your ex-husband. And then how do you go from my first sexual experience was when I was 21 to now I am a kink and BDSM coach. How I, know, right? that happen? I mean, <laughs> first of all, I think that's rad. I think that's awesome. But I'm like, how do you go from one like extreme to the next? Well, the marriage was, was one of the things I talk a lot is, uh, you know, trans- healing emotional trauma and all kind of trauma from toxic relationships. So marriage was not good. It was like a toxic relationship. Now, when there were process of healing between my living my husband and my partner now, you know, even when I left my husband, the first thing I did, it was like, you know what? I don't know too much about men and their relationships. So I actually went on a dating site and I put myself out there. I'm still out there because I'm like, I'm always exploring and learning and researching. This is my research. (laughs) So my cousin told me that I was doing, I was like, you're so bad. You cannot do that. So I actually was going on dates to research. Like (laughs) I wanted to learn about men, like what makes you heart melt? Like, well, what is, I wanted to learn everything as possible I could. So I, sometimes I used to have like 10 dates, like in a week, right? Like 10, 15 dates in a week. And I would just have had coffee and I was listening a lot. And I went into like being curious about how it is that I could be in like conscious relationship. And I, I can say that I'm very blessed that with the time I met my partner now that we have a child now together. And the thing about he came into my life because he needed and he was part of this whole process of transformation and awakening even more for myself because all partners come to our life for a reason, right? So all the partners before him, they came in my life for a reason. And I can say that I always had this part of me that watching this, you know, the Spaniard movies and the French movies and uh, even the Argentinian shows, I always had the thing like there was something kinky about it. And I like to something like tying it, you know. So and I remember Fifty Shades of Grey came into like years ago when I was right. in New York and all my clients, because I used to travel to my clients to do their hair and like color, fix the colors and all that stuff. All my clients were reading the freaking book. And I was like, at one point, like my friend had the book on her table and I was just reading it like, oh my God, that's the thing. Like, wow, like an interesting. And at the same time before that, I used to be reading in Spanish a lot of the telenovelas, uh, what we call it, like like the, the books, like the novelas, right? Like the erotic yeah, yeah, novels, like the romance right? novels. But I remember one when I was a child that is a, a Colombian uh, soap opera. I don't remember they still have it. Like, I don't know if we can find it, but it's called Potra Saina. And it has the dynamic of like, you know, like this woman that is like the farmer. And it has this energy and this man that wants to like dominate her and he wants to control her. But she's so powerful. She's like so, she's so intimidating for all these people. And like, I always knew that there was something in me that wanted that love of control. That mm-hmm. wanted to be controlled I owned by my partner. That wanted to be taken by my partner. That wanted to be like, ah, there, that energy was there. 
So it wasn't until my partner like brought these like kinky play that he was like, tie me up one night. And I was like, woo, I liked it. <laughs> like, I want to be tied up. So that was kind of like fun. And then he started using like the feathers and like, and little by little, he, you know, because he already had some experience with it. He was like, and was like, I want more. <laughs> I want more. And then he started bringing more stuff and more tools. And, and in that time between a period of years, I knew that, uh, you know, there was some healing aspect of it, that it was happening within myself, experiencing some aspect of kink, BDSM. That's when I belong part of these communities in the Tantra and all that stuff. And I felt called to attend one workshop, uh, not a workshop, a training for therapeutic kink practitioners, for my mentor, uh, Francesca Gentile in California, in San Francisco. So... In my journey of exploring on my own, I felt the need to get the training uh, from the therapeutic perspective because I already was working with, with trauma. So I already knew that some of the things that I was feeling in the energy and tantra and all this kinky that part of it that it was happening, it was healing. It was like something healing within myself. So I wanted to learn more of how this modality could help people to heal at a deeper level sexual trauma emotional trauma and things like that so, so I what exactly I is what exactly is therapeutic kink and how can people use that like how do you know who to go to how do you know if you if that's something you need to go to well now it's been like five years and now I can tell you that I'm so blessed that this is happening because yeah even just yesterday I was teaching I was part of the teaching panel for the conscious kink BDSM training for clinicians for sex clinical sex, uh, sexologists, for clinical therapists, for clinical psychologists, because it is coming to the surface right now that kink, therapeutic kink, kink itself, it can be beneficial and healing to individuals. So people are teaching it now. We have an, uh, a clinician very interested on it because it's really powerful. So years ago, like maybe five, six years ago, it kept being a little tricky to find somebody. But I now I feel like there are more and more people learning about it. That we are more and more talking about it. So I'm sure that if you Google therapeutic kink, you will be able to find more information. So, so that I... Exactly. So what exactly do they do in those types of things? Because I'm so, sure people might think, oh, it's somebody who's going to have sex with me or something. You get people that think really, I don't think any of my listeners, but you never know. I don't know everybody who listens to this, but what should somebody expect if they go to therapeutic kink? What so that's a great question. Thank you for asking for that. So one of the things that is important for people, for the audience to know is that kink BDSM does not focus on sex. It focused on the exchange of a power dynamic, dominant and submissive. You can have sex as part of it as a partner, yes. But even dominatrix, the focus of it is domination. The focus of like a dominatrix is to, you know, have an aspect of control of the individual. The person is surrendering. They're hiring a dominatrix or a, ther uh, a therapist with that domination skills to surrender to it. When it comes to partnership, yes, sex could be the dynamic of it. It could not, but it's not necessary. So when it comes to therapeutic kink, it's about using kink BDSM dynamic to help the person to heal trauma at a deeper level. And for example, one of the examples could be like, you don't even have to be naked. You don't even have to have any of the tools of like kink BDSM, like flaggings and the cross or anything like yeah, that could be fun. If, 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 uh, it could be useful too to be tied up. And for example, one example of a session of the therapeutic kink could be for somebody that, for example, if you had a struggle in your life to say no, right? Like you all your life, you have a struggle to say no. And people were just pushing you, pushing you, pushing you to say, you know, like, and, and you keep saying no, and they will not listen to you. They will not respect you. They will not pay attention to what you say. They would just keep pushing their demand and their needs and their desires upon you. And you felt trapped. So one session that it could look like, this had to be with somebody that is trained in therapeutic kink. I had a, um, just actually training on this. It's like one of the things is that you can do is like you can tie up the person. The person has to close, you know, everything is consent basis, right? You mm. Before you touch the person, may I touch you? May I wrap you? Like, may I tie you up? Okay, everything is consent basic because 
the thing about the appeal king is giving the power back to the person that feeling that the power was lost. So if I felt my power was lost, you know, the appeal king would give me the opportunity to reclaim that power. So like, let's say I'm tying up this person and I'm now like just with consent, verbally, I would say like, no, you have to say yes to me all the time. And she's like, keep saying no. And I, you, you just keep saying like, no, it's like, like a role play. There's mm. going to be a role play. And in the role play, there's going to be a point where the person is going to break free and it's going to say enough. And the whole energy, you're going to feel it in your body and they're going to feel it in the body. They're going to feel it that they reclaim the aspect of the power because now they're standing strong. They're standing grounded. And that's because there were an aspect of the role play and the aspect also of consent. There was like a lot of healing based on consent. That could be one example, like a very simple example of reclaiming your power through therapeutic kink. And the reason why we're using kink is because we like, uh, you know, you're using rope, which is like a kink dynamic using rope. Sometimes you can actually even have some flogging, like, right? Like I have some floggings in here. For example, <laughs> for people who are very religious, right? Uh-huh. And you know that this thing like, well, you like, por mi culpa, por mi culpa, por mi gran culpa. And yeah. all that stuff, like, you know, in Spanish, like for my fault, my fault, my fault. And like, you just like flag yourself. So one aspect of like therapeutic could be that if I feel like I'm feeling guilty a lot, like, you know, using flags and remember the tools she that we other flags in her hand right now. Yeah, I'm having my flags. So one of the things that you can uh, you can use is like you can just flag and you can just say like self-love affirmation. I love myself. I love myself. I accept myself for who I am. I accept my body. I accept my journey. Because there's an element of the body, the body's feeling sensation. That's what goes back to somatic. Mm-hmm. In the aspect of like, when the body's experiencing some aspect of touch, some aspect of healing touch, addressing some, um, what we call the pressure point and working with a pressure point, and even just working with the dynamic, it's so healing and so soothing. You know, flagging the back of your your back where you feel a lot of pressure instead of like saying like, oh, I'm I'm so bad, I'm guilty of this, like this is my fault, and you just go with like word of affirmation, like I love myself, I accept myself, I embrace myself, and what I think the reason why it will be therapeutic is because now if you look at it, if you're looking at it, like I have my two flaggers in here, what happened is that they if I flag my back, I'm feeling embraced, I'm feeling the touch. And, and you're not doing it hard. You're doing it really lightly. So Look it feels. It. Like, I'm just doing yeah. it lightly. I'm just going like this. And like now it becomes sensual. Okay. Okay. But I could see that. The same thing like with handcuff or something with some of the other tools that, you know, would play in kink BDSM that we're using it to heal trauma. We go with the consciousness and the awareness that the tools that we pro- that we use in we're using them to heal trauma. Gotcha. That's why I call therapeutic kink BDSM. Cool. All right. No, I mean, I'm ask because I had no idea what that was. So it's really good to have an, you know, an explanation. So moving from therapeutic kink to just kink BDSM, I think there's a lot of people who, first of all, I think that there comes with a lot of like, I want to explore, but then you feel guilty type of thing, right? Like, I want to explore. I want to try this. I want to do this we don't talk about it. So then we feel guilty for doing it. And I'm just saying this in generalities and based on conversations and even myself and whatever, how do we get to a point, right? And how do you start approaching that you want to try things, some kink BDSM things with your partner without, like if you've never done it, or you don't know if your partner has done it and you, you, you want to try it, How do you approach that with somebody who you're not quite sure if they have, or you don't want to seem like from a female aspect, you don't want to seem like you're all slutty out there, right? Like, oh, I want to try all these things. You might, and there's nothing wrong with that. But how do you approach your partner, whether you're male or female, in regards to croaching into the kink BDSM territory in play? It's such a great question. And I've been coaching couples on this. And we have couples from different dynamic and there's always going to be a couple, usually there's one partner that is fearful. It feels shameful 
it feels close and the other one have the craviness and the desire to explore. The thing that we work the most is communication. How we communicate first at all, before we express our desire, how we communicate our fears. Like what are we fearful for? Like Because if somebody in a relationship is not open to something, and even if they don't know what they, you know, what we're asking for, you know, if we want to have a conversation about it, and we already know that they may be close about it. Sometimes we don't know why they are close about it. So one of the things about communication is to understand like where they're coming from and understand the fears and what are the fears about and have that deep level of conversation when we are heart to heart and we can offer to each other and a space to understand what it is that my fears are, what are my desires and what are my needs and how we can do this together you know, within our boundaries as a couple. One of the things I see a lot in relationship is that, A, we're very bad communicators. We don't communicate our need. We don't communicate our desires. We don't communicate and express our emotions. We just don't communicate. And at the same time, we have no boundaries. We think that we have boundaries in the relationship. We have assumptions of what is allowed and not allowed, but we, do, we really don't have clear boundaries in the relationship. Like we presume by my partner should know this, but actually it was not spoken. Yeah. And a boundary is not a boundary until you speak it, right? So Absolutely. these assumptions and these, he should know better. That doesn't count. Yeah. So we have to come together and speak it, talk about it, come from a place of compassion, come from a place of love, come from a place of understanding who you are as an individual first and come to from a place of like, hey, I may be open, but I have these fears. And the fear is that if I go to this place, let's say this dungeon, and I have this fear that I may be attracted to other people. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I have this fear that I don't want anybody to touch you. And, and I don't want anybody. I, I, I want you just for me. Great. Let's explore that. Right? That's a lot of the fear that happens too, is that that partners, they have that we call the shadow aspect of it. We want to be on and we want to be claimed by our partners. And at the same time, we like, we want to have that spiciness in it. And the shadow aspect and the struggle that happened is that we, we know that what it is that we want, but we don't ask. And then like the fear comes even more loud because we just don't know how to communicate that hey, I I want I maybe want to have a role play of jealousy, because I want you to own me and claim me. Mm-hmm. So I want to be seductive around other men because I want you to grab me and take me with you and fuck me hard. You know that could be like a fantasy and all that stuff. And what happened is the couples don't talk like that. <laughs> yeah. So if I want to tell my partner, I say like Jacob. I'm just going to misbehave right now because I really want you and I'm really going to make you upset and I'm going to trigger you and I'm going to punch you, you abandoned. And I'm not going to respect you abandoned right now because I'm going to be a brat. And I just, because I, I want and I crave for you to really grab me tight, hold me tight and tell me that I'm yours and that you're going to spank me and then you're going to fuck me hard. So those are all aspects of, because I think when we often think of BDSM, we think of being tied up. We think of like the extreme parts, but BDSM can be as simple as that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because remember, BDSM is about bondage, discipline, BD, bondage, discipline, domination, submission, sated, masochist. So when it comes about bondage, it doesn't mean just I'm going to tie you up. I can tie you up energetically. I can tie you up with a contract. I can tie you up with like telling you in a, a control right now, for example, I can have a, like a nice sex to add text to you and say like, right now you're all mine. And I want you to go home and put yourself this outfit that I put it out there for you. And I want you to just get in the bed and don't move. Right there is bondage. It's psychological bondage, emotional bondage. Got right? It's it. not just tied up. And then, then submission is like, as a submissive, if my partner sent me that text, I'm like, I'm going to put the outfit and I'm just going to surrender and I'm just going to wait in the bed until he comes. And, and it has to be a mutual thing, right? Because you can't, 
that's why people have safe words and certain exactly because you yeah that's another them. dynamic of kink bdsm that everything is based on consent and boundaries consent is real and you cannot practice bdsm from a place of alcohol or drugs or psychedelic you cannot practice bdsm if you are intoxicated because consent has to happen all the time that's why in the kink bdsm community we're really strong on consent boundaries safe word and for example if somebody violates a safe word or a consent or boundary of the submissive now you, you're dealing with predatory energy. Now you're dealing with like a predatory person that, or a domineering. There's a difference between dominant and domineering. The dominant is all about authority, control, power, presence, right? And the dominant always going to make sure, you know, this is something that I teach at Tantra Kink, is like the dominant responsibility is make sure that the well-being of the sub is 100% intact i'm here to make sure that your well-being emotional well-being physical psychological well-being and spiritual well-being is there that i'm here as a dominant to provide that for you that i'm a conscious dominant that's what i'm providing here for you I'm, I'm this is what i'm creating here for you so a domineering will be a person who doesn't care like it's all about me it's okay, like so dominant it has, and domineering are obviously very two different things, right? Yeah. One is for your pleasure or mutual pleasure. The dominant is more of the service. You uh-huh. hear of service. The domineering is all about me. It's exactly. all about the ego aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so fascinating, truly. So what are some of the things that people can do to start exploring that and start, whether it's kink, whether it's tantra, whether it's BDSM, like what are the things that people can kind of start doing to feel more comfortable with wanting those things and owning their own sexual desires? Because I think that ends up being the key, right? Is we don't technically own it. Oftentimes we put it off to somebody else or we feel that guilt that you were talking about earlier. Communication to me is like the foundation. And we talk about that. But what if you're single? What if you don't have a partner? How can you start being more comfortable with your own sexuality and things that you want? It's going to come back all to inner work. Inner work. And I'm very a fan of shadow work, shadow, dark work. And what does that mean? It means to go deeper within yourself and explore what are the areas of yourself, the parts of yourself, the areas of your life that you are hiding from for yourself. Like what are the things that you are not, the things that you're not comfortable with, like the things that you're not comfortable to explore, like understand where this coming from. Like, like where are you hiding in there? Where are you wearing this mask that are hiding from, from being your authentic self? And the other thing is like, you know, try something different, try something new every day. It's like challenge yourself. Like one of the things that is great is to challenge ourselves to do the things that we feel uncomfortable about. You know, if you're uncomfortable about going to a dungeon, like explore a dungeon in your area, you can- Oh yeah, I want to hear about your dungeon. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe you have a dungeon. I want to hear about that too. (laughs) Yeah, if you're comfortable, you know, one of the things, the reason why I talk, you know, I like to educate about conscious kink BDSM because I do have a dungeon in my community. And I also am building community of conscious kink BDSM where we educate individuals and people. And the reason why I'm sharing all of this is because we have couples that they're so new on this. Every weekend, we have singles that they're so new in it. Say yes to yourself. Buy your ticket to go to a dungeon. Go to dungeon, say yes to yourself and just watch. Just observe. What resonates with you or not? I'm telling you that my dungeon is different than many other because it's a conscious King BDSM community that I'm building. So you're going to be going to San Francisco, LA, wherever you live. They maybe have dungeons in there and the the vibe is going to be different. They don't have many of them. They don't have that spiritual component to it. So you have to go with your research mind self and explore like, okay, how do you feel? How you felt to go there? Are they using, are they allowing alcohol or not? Drugs or not? Usually the kink BDSM community do not allow alcohol and drugs in the space because it's going to affect your consent 100%. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that it's a safe space for you to go. 
Right. So you go there and just say yes to yourself. Go explore. You don't have to go like try to know everything. Mm-hmm. Talk to people. Talk to the people in the community. Be discerning of like who you interact with. Always reach out to the people who monitor the dungeons, like the people who own the dungeon, monitor the dungeon. If they're building community, that's a great sign. If they are just there for business, try to find a leader in the community to make sure that they can help you and guide you into the process. You know, in my space, we have orientation. Usually uh, when you are new, usually dungeons have orientation, a time where you come and they guide you through the orientation, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what are the rules of the of the land. And then like, and also at the same time, like, okay, you interact with other people, like conversations. They, many of them have munches. A munch is like a gathering that happens in a restaurant. Some people have food, some people have drink, no alcohol, whatever it is. But people just start talking like, and they just get to know other people outside of the dungeon itself. So it's about putting yourself out there and saying yes to it and feel it in your body. The most and important thing is feeling your body. Comfortable. I mean, getting yourself out of your comfort zone is one thing, but if you're truly, if it's not settling right with you, then it's, that's okay. You can walk away. You don't have like, right? Exactly. Like it always gives yourself permission to expand your discomfort. Like you don't feel comfortable, just go a little bit out of the edge, but don't go way too out of your edge of the comfort zone because that's dangerous by then. So just give yourself permission just to get out of your comfort zone, but still be in your body. And also one of the things that it would be great is for you to bring, to come from a place of loving yourself and come from a place of like peace with yourself. Right. Because if you come to any event from a place of fear, the fear is going to take you out of your own experience. And that could be an experience that's going to help you to grow in life. So come from a place of peace with yourself, loving yourself, and just be curious. The only, maybe the one mindset I would say that is going to be very important to have at the beginning is just being curious. To be curious about it and to also have discernment. Be curious and have discernment. And reach out to the people that, you know, that you can feel like they care about the building community, that they care about people, that they care about the well-being of others. Those are the people that you want to hear from, you know, interact with. And then when you're in a dungeon, you know, like there will be opportunities. Oh my gosh. There's so much that I want to ask, but I also want to respect your time because, this is the first time we've, we've kind of gotten to that, but is there anything before I ask you your, like the last couple of questions, is there anything that you want to add that you want to make sure people know in regards to Tantra, the therapeutic kink, regular kink BDSM? Is there anything that you want people to know before we go into the last couple of questions? Well, I do have a program, you know, my event, Tantric Kink, it was an event that I created and I travel here in Florida and I even went to uh, up north and share that event with like a fusion of Tantra and Kink BDSM where I speak a lot about this and give you a lot of more information so that program itself is becoming an online program that you will be able to access it so I am pouring a lot of information that it will be beneficial so you can you can get it you can look at it into my site I have how can people find you yeah you can go to social media yeah, you can go to luciegabriela.com. That's my website, luciegabriela.com. And you can go to my page that's about event. And you will see like Tantric Kink and, you know, the the different kind of like uh, online programs I have. Also the online, uh, I have a pre-recorded already event that I did online uh, last year. So that's available. And that has a lot of information in there. And one of the things that, you know, if you have questions, just send me a, uh, an email and I will be very glad to create a video around it, respond it to you, reply it to you, something like that. But I tell you that the course itself is going to provide a lot of information. So that's what I'm building right now. So just stay tuned, go to my website, subscribe to my newsletter, um, you know. And then see- also Lucia, Lucia Gabriela Coach on Instagram and Tantra Kink on Instagram. Exactly. So we'll make sure to put all of those links in in the show notes. Lucia, thank you so much. This is so like, I think just on a basic level, right? It was really good to know. First of all, I had no idea that there was like therapeutic kink. No clue. 
there's so many different tools out there for people to use to be able to be more comfortable with themselves. So I think that's really awesome that there are so many things out there. Thank you for sharing what those things are and kind of what your journey was. The last question we always ask, because we always begin with wine and we end with wine. What is your favorite type of wine, red, white, or rosé? And do you have a specific brand or, or type of wine that you like? That's a great question. I love pink wine. I don't know the name of the one, but it's the one that has, it's a battle that has um, the rose in it. And the rose is kind of like made in the, in the glass. So it's like, had like these, it had the rose in the bottom of the wine and it has a rose on the top of it. Oh, and wow. it's, it's already sculptured that way. Oh, so nice. I, just, I don't know the name of the of the wine, but that's the wine that I, when I, I go to the wine store, I just grab it. <laughs> I'm so bad. I don't even pick it, uh, the name, but that's one of my favorites. I, yeah. I love pink wine the most. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And you guys, please make sure to go to her website, follow her on Instagram and reach out to her if you have any questions, because I think it's so important, first of all, to have different perspectives in regards to sex. But not everybody is comfortable with everybody. So if you find somebody that you feel like you can reach out to more than that's cool. Like not everybody is for everybody, right? Like, so it's okay. So until next time, Mijente, thank you guys so, so much. Lucia, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more.